the time we're going to be talking today, I, I'm calling this message Emulating Jesus. Okay, so Jesus starts his ministry and then he calls his disciples to join him. And then immediately after that, he, he um, starts to demonstrate his power. And I want to show you today how he has called us to do, he even says, greater things than him, than that. So that seems like, like something that isn't even possible. But I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove it to you from, from the Bible that it is possible. And that is actually what he has called us to do. So we're going to begin um, in Mark chapter 1. Now we're, we're going through the book of Mark. It's called A Journey Through the Gospel of Mark. Gospel means good news. Uh, a lot of people think that Mark was a really young man. That they think he was like 12 or 13 years old when Jesus was crucified. So his recollection would be coming from that of a a junior high boy. And so he's very matter of fact. He doesn't embellish a whole lot. He doesn't add a whole lot of things. He just kind of gives you the facts as far as he can remember them. But actually he was inspired by Timothy. So that's kind of a little bit of the background. We'll go into that more later on. But I wanted to just let you know kind of where this is coming from now. Now, up until this point... We had talked last week about the wilderness. We talked about uh, John the Baptist went into the wilderness and and was preaching the good news of Jesus. And then immediately after Jesus was baptized and, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, immediately he was thrust into the wilderness. Did anybody get anything out of that message last week? Anybody recognize that season of your life that you are, you are in the wilderness? It is just a part of the Christian life. So this, this comes immediately after that. And starting with verse 14, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. This is the New Living Translation. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached the good, God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Okay, so now we skip over this whole part John was arrested, and then Jesus went into Galilee. The story behind John, John the Baptist was a very powerful and influential man because of what God had called him to do, because he was calling people to repentance. He was calling people to come and be baptized into the, in the name of, of the Father, Son, and maybe not the Holy Spirit yet, because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given. But it was a baptism, remember, of repentance, And then Jesus said, or John said of Jesus that he would not only baptize them for repentance, but then he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to be talking about what does it mean to walk in the power that God has given us? So what happened to to John after that? Herod, who was the, the leader, he was really threatened by John, but yet it said that he respected him, that he would go and visit him in prison. He was really scared of him. But then he had one of those wives, um, and she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so um, uh, his, her daughter danced for Herod, and it was, this, this family was super messed up. And then they had John beheaded. And so that's kind of the background here. So they brought his head on a platter, literally, to this party. So then it says, Jesus went into Galilee, 
where he preached God's good news. And this is a good news of the kingdom of God. This is a good news that, that it is possible for us to be reconciled with God. This is the baptism or the um, good news that we can be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus says this. The time promised by God has come at last. Now, this doesn't mean a whole lot to us unless you understand the context. Israel has been waiting literally for centuries for Messiah to come. This is, they have been longing and yearning for Messiah. And Jesus is saying, the time has come. Messiah has come. And he says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. And that is a call for us today, still today, to repent of our sins and to believe the good news, to believe that God is for us, to believe that we are a child of God. Each and every one of us, we are chosen. We are not forsaken. We are who he says we are. That is the good news that he can change us, that he, he removes all of the stuff that attaches itself to us and, and defines us as he created us to be. And sometimes that takes a lot of faith because everything in the world, everything of ourselves, everything of the kingdom of darkness says that we're not who he says we are. You know, there, there's, a, there's a sense... Don't, don't you know that, that it's hard to believe when you know who you are? It's hard to really believe that God could use you. Is that right? And, and it's like, you have to remember in context that when we're weak, his power is perfected. That's the good news, that it's not about us. It's about him using us. I love to say the term, you know, he just uses us as his tools. So we're tools for Jesus, right? Aren't you so happy that you don't have to, you don't have to determine how things are going to be done. He will lead you and guide you into all truth, it says. So here, Jesus is walking along. Let's, let, um, this is a section about where Jesus actually calls his disciples. Now, I want to let you know, this is not the first time Jesus met these guys. So it's not like this random guy's walking along and he says, hey, come and follow me. These guys already knew about Jesus. I think they already knew he was Messiah. So it's starting in verse uh, 16. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who is Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. So essentially, Jesus is saying, you know who I am. Let's go. Let's get this thing done. So Jesus is calling them out of something very ordinary, fishing. I mean, it's, a, it's an essential because they were providing food. But he's saying, I'm going to turn your natural into something supernatural. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. He's saying, I want to take your job and your mundane, and I want to take... The, the relationships that you have, and I want to make you aware of my presence. I want to make you aware of the power of my Holy Spirit. And this is my prayer for you and for us, is that we would be so uh, intimately aware of what God is doing in our midst. The kingdom of heaven is near, right? Come on. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is coming back soon. I want to be about his business, don't you? Yes. 
I want to be, I, I don't want to be like one of those people that's like, oh, wait, I didn't know the robber was coming to my house. You just anticipate it. It says it like a thief in the night. It's going to be that way. We're not going to know when, but he is coming back. That's his promise. Not to compare Jesus to a thief, but that's what it's going to be like. He's going to come back at an unexpected time. So we want to be ready. So one day as he's walking along, he calls Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, throwing a net, come and follow me. And it says, and after they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, who were later referred to as the sons of thunder. It says, they were in a boat repairing their nets and he called them at once and they also followed him leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired man. I'm sure their father and the hired man are going, what, what, what do you mean you're, you resign? <laughs> because they were called to go and follow Jesus and to, and to begin to fish for the souls of human beings and to expand the kingdom of heaven. So what, what the Lord does is he takes who we are, he takes what we do, and he turns it into something profound. He turns it into something eternal if we allow him, if we open ourselves up and offer ourselves to him like he calls us to do. When we surrender to him, he wants to take the things in your life that are just normal and make them full of power, his power. That's what he's about. So here, Jesus, I, think, I don't think it's a coincidence. It says here, Jesus demonstrates his power. So he calls these guys and he's walking along and it says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day had come, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. See, these guys, the teachers of the religious law, they didn't teach with authority because they weren't teaching the actual word of God for the most part. They were just teaching traditions and they were saying, Rabbi Schmuckla or whatever is, uh, he says this about this. I don't know what it means, but what do you think it means? It's like they just were like bantering. I think this is what it means. Or maybe so-and-so, you know, Rabbi Shmuley or whoever. He says this. That's what they were doing. And it didn't really have any authority because it wasn't the word of God. They talked more about traditions. And remember Jesus in the Gospels, he's always saying, you've heard it said that blah, 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 whatever. But I say to you. So Jesus was taking all of these traditions and he was saying, that's not the word of God. This is the word of God. And that's what he's doing. And that's why he taught with real authority, because it was actually the word of God that he was teaching them. And suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil, evil spirit cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, he did recognize that Jesus was the Holy One of God. But this was a demonic spirit. And it says, but Jesus reprimanded, be quiet, come out of that man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. So they're just having church. Jesus is teaching. All of a sudden, this demon-possessed man goes, why have you come here? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. That was like a, a religious demon. And how many of you know there are religious demons? Yeah. 
They are demons and they say the right things. They might even use the right words, but they do not speak by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are not speaking with authority. They are speaking demonic things and they are speaking lies. And they will try to do this. And, I, and I've talked about this before. There is a spirit of Jezebel. And Jezebel is very religious, and she's very slimy. Jezebel is the kind of spirit that makes you feel less than. Jezebel will make you feel like, you're really not as holy as you should be. And you know, if you just got a few things right, God would really like you better. And the spirit of Jezebel is a lying spirit, but it's all rooted in religion. So much demonic activity is rooted in religion, in religious spirits. So just because someone says something that sounds religious does not mean that it is coming from the spirit of God. Because keep in mind, it says to test the spirits. Test the spirits and see if they're from God. So here, this demon-possessed guy is saying, you're the holy one, which is true. Jesus was the holy one, right? Excuse me. So Jesus, I mean, imagine this. So let's say, you know, we're we're just hanging out here and all of a sudden some demon-possessed guy comes and I'm like, come out of him. And all of a sudden, like he goes into convulsions and the spirit leaves him. This is real stuff. You know, we don't believe that, that there's demonic activity. In North America, we think that just happens in those other nations, those godless nations. There is so much demonic activity in this valley. And the Lord is calling us to be alert, to be aware of it and to understand it, not to be afraid of it. Because Jesus already said, I have given you authority to overcome all of the devil's schemes. I have given you authority to trample on the heads of scorpions and snakes and to overcome all of the devil's schemes. You can do that starting in yourself and then in your home and then moving out into your workplace and your neighborhood and even in your family. Although Jesus does say the prophet does not receive honor in his own hometown or among his relatives. If you're ever wondering why it is that it seems like you just keep hitting up against just so much opposition in your family, a lot of times it has to do with the fact that the prophet does not receive honor in his own hometown or among his relatives. What you do in that case, if you're trying to share Jesus with your family members, you just pray for God to send workers. Remember? Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech, cry out, beg God to send workers into the lives of your family members. Okay, and here it says in verse 27, amazement gripped the audience. And they began, they began to discuss what happened. Don't you think that would, that would probably be, be the case? If, if somebody was in, in the middle aisle here convulsing and a demon comes out, don't you think people would be talking about it? And, they're, and that they're like, what, what sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even the evil spirits obey his orders. And the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Don't you think that that would happen? That if we had a demon-possessed person here and I cast a demon out or someone cast a demon out, that people would start to hear about that? That people would be talking about that? It'd be on Facebook, right? Snapchat, whatever. Instagram, people would be posting about it, right? 
And so the thing is, we need to understand this isn't just something that happened back then. This is something that's even in our midst now. And we have the authority to come against demonic spirits. We cannot deny that they exist. You know, it's so easy to just just pretend that, you know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't really go on. But have, have any of you ever seen it? I mean, have you ever seen someone and you're just like, I am pretty sure that person is demon-possessed. But you have the authority in the name of Jesus. And let me just point out, though, don't ever... Pray against the enemy or cast demons out or go in and pray over someone's house. You know, a lot of times unbelievers, if they, if they have something really, um, really scary happening, they're having bad dreams or they, I mean, there was a family in my neighborhood um, and, you know, I used to walk through my neighborhood and just pray over all of the houses. And I remember there was this one house and Literally, every time I would go there, like my knees would buckle under me. There was something going on in this home. Well, the, the father who lived in this house, he, he ended up coming to Christ. Um, we, we ended up getting to share the Lord with him. He came to church here for a while, and then he moved. But um, he told me that from the first night they moved into that house, their children would refuse to sleep in their own beds anymore. The, the cupboards were opening and shutting in the middle of the night. They would see these dark figures floating through their house. They would hear voices. This is real. This is real stuff. I mean, how would a family, they had four kids. How would a family of six all experience the same thing if it was just fake? And they were terrified. And now, if they had asked us to come in and just pray and cast the demons out, that would be great, except for the fact that Jesus says, if you sweep the house clean, you need to pray. Otherwise, that, that strong man will go and get his seven brothers who are worse. You know, I, I hear people all the time, they want to go pray, for the, the, pray through their house of their neighbor or their unsaved relative or whatever. And when I say unsaved, if you're not familiar with that term, it just means that person hasn't received the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross. They don't have a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus. But a lot of times unbelievers know that there is a spiritual world. They know that there's something dark. But don't ever pray through their house unless you lead them to Christ. Because otherwise, they're going to get bombarded with seven spirits worse than the original one. Does this make sense? Do you believe that, excuse me, do you believe that you have the power do you believe that? Do you just think it's just for the really hyper-spiritual people? <clears throat> because he, it's, it's every believer. He's given everybody who believes in the name of Jesus has been given the authority. Now, there are some hindrances. Doubt is a hindrance. Unconfessed sin is a hindrance. Fear is a hindrance. But if you, if you confess your sins and you believe and you are bold and take the authority, you can see your neighborhood change. You can see your atmosphere at work change. Don't believe the lie that says, 
oh, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not worthy enough. You are who he says you are. He says you have authority. He says that you can do the same things that he is doing. You can cast demons out. He even says in Mark 16, 15, it says, and Jesus told them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God offered a sacrifice in sending his own son to put on human flesh and go to the cross and pay the penalty for our sins. That's the good news. And it says that if you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's saying, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. If there ever was a high recommendation for being baptized, it says, whoever believes and is baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, this is not a guilt trip. I'm just saying, Jesus has asked you to do it. So the next time we do a baptism, make sure you sign up. It says, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. How could a loving God do that? People always ask that. How could a loving God do that? Because people refuse to believe. They refuse to believe. And Jesus goes on in verse 17 and says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Okay, I want you to insert your own name into this. Okay? I, Brad, will cast out demons in Jesus' name. I will speak in new languages. I will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, if I drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt me. They will be able to lay their hands on the sick and they will be healed. We will be able to lay our hands on the sick, and they will be healed. We have got to start to walk in faith. We have got to start believing that God not only is he who he says he is, but you are who he says you are. It's, he's telling you, you're going to be able to do these things if you believe. You have to believe it, though. You can't just kind of go into it and go, Okay, I'm going to pray for you now. And Lord, um, I kind of hope that like you'd heal this person, but I'm not worthy. And so that's not how he's saying. He's saying, come into it and lay your hands on the sick and pray and believe that the Lord wants to use you. And some people actually have a spiritual gift of healing. I mean, that is the gift that they function in. But how would they ever discover that if they never laid hands on a sick person? How would they ever know it if they never stepped out in faith and laid hands on? We need people to come to the surface who have the gift of healing in this church. Because we have a lot of people who are sick and who have been crying out for a long time for healing. And we need people who are anointed in that. And anointed just means empowered, that God has given you that power. So if you have the gift of healing, bring it into the surface and and pray for people. Believe that God wants to use you. Believe that you have the authority to cast out demons. Believe that you have the authority to speak in new tongues, to understand and to handle snakes and anything poisonous. What this means is that 
God is going to protect you, that the things that the world says are going to kill you aren't necessarily going to have to kill you, that you are, you are protected. And you know, this, this passage, I used to read this and go, wow, that's, that's intense. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. I heard yesterday, I spoke at a, a conference, and um, these pastors were telling me about, I guess there is a, a YouTube video of some pastor, and they, in their church, handle snakes. You're welcome that we don't do that here. But they handle snakes, and I guess there's, at the end of it, like, literally, this snake grabs onto this guy's ear and, like, almost rips it off, and he's, like, bleeding profusely. Anyway. So, so we're not going to be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> Please don't suggest it. But it's, it's basically saying, Jesus even said in Luke, he says, nothing can harm you. I have given you authority over that stuff. And we would, I would read this part, it'd say, it would say, if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. I want to tell you a story. Many of you might already know this story, but you know, we, we, had, um, we had just started singing the song, Our God is Healer. You know that, um, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, and awesome in power, our God, our God. We had just introduced that song. And one day, um, you know, I love puppies. And one day, um, after I'd had some puppies, I invited my friend Amy Stringfellow. Anybody know Amy Stringfellow? She, uh, her husband, Chris, who stands right up here, he was the very first person to come to, to Jesus at the Adventure Church. And then, yeah, woo! And then his wife, Amy, came to Jesus. And um, so... Then they had a couple of children. The youngest one was Isaac. And at the time, this is back in 2011, he, this, is, this is Isaac in May. Little energetic little guy. He literally ran for like two and a half hours. He was, he'd play with the puppies for a little bit, and then he'd get up and just go run around. And he went back behind this corner and Amy and I were sitting under the tree because it was a pretty warm day. So we were sitting under this tree and he went back behind that corner and he came out and he was spewing like this bubbly, brownish, yellow stuff and just crying and he just turned beet red. And at first, I thought maybe he got stung by a wasp or something. And then we looked and we realized that there had been a hose that had broken off. And he saw this big blue thing that contained hydrochloric acid. And he thought it was a juice box. And he drank from it. And it was burning all the way down his esophagus into his stomach. He was 20 months old, and uh, I mean, it was so traumatic. It was so traumatic, and Amy and I, I mean, we just tried to, we tried to figure out what to do, so we drove him over to the Lone Peak, and they ended up having to, air, to um, life flight him, and he almost died in the helicopter on the way to Primary Children's Hospital. 
And it was so, so scary. He was in, I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, he was in the PICU for eight days and he almost died several times from complications from his damaged esophagus and his lungs. The doctor said, don't be surprised. First of all, if he doesn't survive and second of all, if he's going to be in the, in the PICU for months. And they said that he's probably going to have to have a feeding tube connected to his stomach for the rest of his life. And his esophagus is likely going to just disintegrate. This was terrifying. But then, this is, this is him. Isn't he beautiful? The first thing Isaac did, he was 20 months old. First thing he did when he woke up from this coma was signed Jesus. And he said that Jesus visited him. I mean, we were praying over him every single day. This church prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And the first thing he did was sign Jesus. And within 11 days, he was home eating SpaghettiOs. Praise the name of our Lord, our God. Amen. So he drank poison and he is now 100% healed. The Lord has completely healed Isaac. That was a faith builder, let me tell you, because we really didn't, this is him. He is, I love this kid. He is very funny. If you ever get a chance to talk to him and don't embarrass him, please don't embarrass him, but he will imitate or impersonate any animal that you call out and he's very good at it. But this is, a, this is an answer to prayer. We prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and the Lord brought healing to Isaac. The enemy had intended to kill him. The enemy intended to steal from his family and to destroy their lives. But God, but God, he has promised that we would be able to drink poison and it would not kill us and it would not kill us. And so that's what I want to get across today. Jesus is calling us as his disciples in the same way that he went by those fishermen. He's saying, hey, I want to take you in your current position and I want to pour out my spirit on you. I want to use you to see the kingdom of heaven expanded. Your job is not menial. What you are doing is significant in the eyes of God. He has people where you work that he wants to see come to know him. And you're not unworthy because you have sinful thoughts or because you don't read the Bible enough or because you don't pray or, or whatever. I mean, of course we want to do those things, but it's not a religious list. It's what we do because we want to know him more. We want him to use us for his glory, right? I'm assuming because you're here, that's what you want too. I want to see people come to Jesus. And I'll tell you, within the last couple of months, I have had so many opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. I have had so many opportunities. It has been so exciting. I sat next to this lady on the airplane on the way back from Mesa. And at first, you know, I mean, honestly, I was like, I just want to read my book. I hope she doesn't want to talk. 
<laughs> and then I looked up, ooh, she had headphones in. Yeah. So I was like, off the hook. Well, Jesus, I'll just pray for her. <laughs> But then within a couple of minutes, speaking of headphones, in a couple of minutes, all of a sudden she kind of looked at me and I knew. <laughs> and it was so awesome. It was so awesome because she is of another faith and I was able to um, lovingly just say, well, you know, that's, that's not really what the Bible says. I mean, she, she was telling me, you know, her beliefs and what she thought. And I was like, well, I, I understand that that's what you've been taught. But, and I got to share the gospel. I got to share my story, but I wove in the good news of Jesus. And that's what I, I, I'm always telling you guys to do. Be able to share your story in less than three minutes. People will almost always give you at least three minutes. And how are they going to argue with your story? How are they going to say, no, God didn't really do that in you? They can't do that. If this is what God did in you, be a bold witness. Tell people. It says again, and I, I, I mentioned this last week, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies in you with gentleness and respect. Always be ready. Get up in the morning and, and look for those opportunities. And we have next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. This is the opportunity for you to be able to invite people that would normally probably not come. And who knows? I promise I will share the good news of Jesus Christ on Sunday, next Sunday. We will celebrate the Lord. We will celebrate the resurrection. It's, it is. It's our biggest day. And here I want to say, so Jesus calls us his disciples. This is what he says in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Okay, get this now. Listen up. That's what he's saying. Listen up. This is important. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done. Now, this is Jesus Christ, God in human form, saying anyone who believes in him will do the same works he's done. And get this, even greater works. What? How is that even possible? I don't know about you. I have never raised anyone from the dead. Any of you? Anybody here? Okay. I don't know about you, but I, I have never seen a leper healed. I've never laid hands on a leper and seen them healed. Never. So many of the things Jesus did, and he's saying, we can do even greater because he's going to be with the Father. And so what he's saying here is, I will send my spirit. My spirit will be with you. Read John chapter 14. It's all about him sending his Holy Spirit. Saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. I, I've, gone to, I've gone to prepare a place for you. He's talking about the hope of heaven. But while you're here, let your life count. Let your life have purpose. Don't be bored. Don't live a mundane life. Live in the supernatural Cast your nets into the waters, maybe on the other side of the boat, but trust that God wants to use you. Turn to the person next to you and say, she's talking to you. Okay, so what does this mean? You will do even greater works. Okay, first and foremost, he's saying greater in scope because Jesus was one human being. He he was not omnipresent, which means 
everywhere all at once, like God. He was contained to a, a flesh, a body of flesh and blood. And so he's saying greater in scope because he's going to pour out his spirit on you. And he is going to do things through you. Amen. Tools for Jesus. Am I right? He is going to use us for his glory. But also, think about this. Let's imagine that Jesus went and healed somebody. And then they ended up rejecting God, rejecting the good news, and they went to hell. Or let's imagine Jesus raised somebody from the dead, and then they ended up going to hell. They ended up not going to eternal life with God. How big a deal is raising someone from the dead if they are only going to turn around and, and be condemned? Like Jesus said, it's not my opinion. He says, if you don't believe, if you refuse to believe, you will be condemned. And that's, I mean, that's straight out of the book. And so, for those who refuse to believe, they will be condemned. What Jesus is saying when he's talking about the greater works, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about it is so much more important than feeding the 5,000 or healing those who are sick or even raising the dead. It is much more important that they go to heaven, that they, are, that they have eternal life that they are reconciled with God, that is more important. So when he's saying you'll do greater works, he's talking about that, that we will carry the gospel. We will carry the good news. It's on us. And I don't mean to get too deep or too heavy, but I've had three near-death experiences, and I know we're not promised tomorrow. I, I, I guarantee you are not promised tomorrow. My husband, Eric, died unexpectedly. He had no idea that he had an aortic aneurysm. But he was ready. He was ready. And he shared Jesus with everybody. And I want to be more like that. I want to imitate him as he imitated Paul and as he shared the gospel. We are all called to the same thing. You don't want to be on your deathbed and have regrets. You know? You don't want to find out your neighbor committed suicide and you never shared Jesus with them. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I'm just keeping it real. This is the reality of it. You want to share Christ with people. And here are the four P's of emulating Jesus. The first one is always and forever prayer. Remember, I've told you before, <clears throat> a prayerless life is a powerless life. You will not do these things in your own strength, I promise. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will see miracles. You will get to see, you will get to partner with God. I get to see miracles all the time. And I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, just, you know, I, I, I've never raised any from, anyone from the dead, honestly. But I get to see changed lives. I get to see changed hearts. I get to see people questioning and wondering and asking about the Lord and asking questions about how to be saved. I get to see that, and you can see that too. Step out in boldness, but pray first. Pray and say, Lord, my life is yours. Show me who you want me to, 
to speak to today, just today. Lord, give me a burden, excuse me, give me a burden for the things that burden your heart. Ask the Lord to give you his heart for the lost. And, and, And when's the last time you wept over the lost? Really? When is the last time you wept over your, over your neighbors or your coworkers who don't know the Lord? Pray that God would break your heart. Pray and ask him to do that. The next thing is to be bold, to proclaim. I, I, said, I said even last week, it's not enough to just be nice. Right? People in false religions are nice. You know, I mean, atheists are nice, some of them. It's not enough to just be nice. We need to proclaim, just like Jesus, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins. Believe in the good news. I wouldn't say it just like that. I mean, you want to, obviously, however, let me, let me say this. If you have a one-shot deal with someone, go for it. Go for the jugular. Because you don't know that you're ever going to see them again. Boldly just lay it out there. You're not trying to earn the right to witness. However, with your neighbors, thank you. That was sweet. Thank you so much. Uh-oh. With your neighbors and your coworkers, pray again. Ask the Lord to show you how. Show you what questions to ask. Ask him to put his words in your mouth. And then proclaim it. Whatever he tells you to say, but look for opportunities to share the good news that people can be saved. They can be reconciled to their God, to their maker. And the next thing is send out your peace, give it a shot, try it, and know that we are not responsible for how they respond to the good news, but we are responsible to make the request. You are not responsible for their response, but we are responsible to make the request to invite them to come and know Jesus. Matthew 10, 11, Jesus says, <clears throat> whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When he's saying worthy, he's not, this word doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean even spiritual or holy. It, he's, he's talking about a person who's, who is desirous or a person who might be hungry for the Lord. Stay in his home until you leave that town. When you enter that home, give it your peace or your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing or your peace stand. If it is not, take back the blessing or the peace. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Again, remember, anytime it talks about your feet, talks about dust, this is symbolic of life and the the things that happen in your life. And I know that there are those of you in here right now, and you still have some dust on your feet from some people who have rejected you. You're still stuck there. I don't know if it was a spiritual leader, a pastor, uh, uh, maybe a small group leader. Maybe it was someone you tried to share the Lord with and they mocked you. You know, because Jesus says, don't don't cast your pearls before swine. This isn't calling people pigs. What this is saying is, don't, Share the gospel, the most precious thing with someone who's just going to turn and just mock it 
In other words, be sensitive to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Look for those opportunities and send out your peace and say, Lord, show me who. Show me who I'm supposed to talk to. Send out your peace. And then if it comes back to you, if that person is totally not open, then don't, don't take it personally. Just brush the dust off your feet. Brush that rejection off your feet. Don't, don't let it accumulate. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That's why you need, to, you need to wash them off, clean them, clean them from the stuff, clean them from the unforgiveness, clean them from all of the, the history and, and all of the painful things that continue to hold you back. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Ask the Lord to come in and clean that dust off your feet so that you can go out and be effective in seeing the kingdom of God expand. Let it go. That is my advice for today. Whatever those things are that are holding you back, let it go. And do whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to seek professional help with a, with a Christian counselor or maybe your, your community group leader or maybe one of the pastors here. Get someone to help you walk through some of that and to get some of that dust off your feet so that you can be completely filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the last one, power. So we have prayer, proclaiming, proclamation, peace, and the power. Because this is a promise that is offered. You will receive, and this is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power. What will you receive? What? Who? Who's going to receive it? Who is? Every one of us who believe, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Judea, throughout, or, or I'm sorry, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, this is talking about four areas. This is talking about Jerusalem, which is your place of residence, your, your hometown. And then it's talking about uh, Judea, which is like the state of Utah or your county or whatever. Samaria is the place next to you. This is where you're supposed to share the gospel and to the ends of the earth. So there is nowhere that we are to go where we don't share the good news of Jesus. And I am just going to ask you today to stand up. And I, for those of you who have heard the word of the Lord, I believe this is the word of the Lord for the Adventure Church for today. I never want to come here and just just spout off stuff or just bloviate. I want to speak the word of the Lord. And I cry out and I ask the Lord, give me your word for these people. You know what they need to hear, Lord. Speak your word to me. And that's what I believe today is that he's saying he wants us to receive that power. He's calling us his disciples. He wants us to do greater things than he did. He demonstrated his power. Now he wants to do it through us. Amen. So can you stand up and can we just ask the Lord to give us that power to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to give us a, a spirit of boldness and to show us who he wants us to share with? Can you do that? Can you do that? Nudge the person next to you and say, she's still talking to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. For endless days, we will sing your praise 
Oh God, we love you. We thank you that you loved us first. And God, we invite you. Spirit of the living God, baptize us. Baptize us. Fill us with that power. Fill us to overflowing, Lord God. Send us into our Jerusalem. Send us into Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, Lord. We're open. Our lives are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And so, Lord, we just ask you in the name of Jesus. We stand against doubt. We stand against fear. We stand against excuses. We stand against um, feelings of unworthiness. We stand against all of those things, anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of who you are. And we are here and we are hungry and we are longing to be a part of your army, to go in and to smite the devil, to destroy the works of the evil one in our communities, Lord, in our hometown, in the state of Utah, God, and we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices holy and acceptable, not because of our own righteousness, but because what you have done. Lord, make me bold. Can you say that, Lord? Make me bold. Lord, let me share the good news. Give me opportunities. I am yours. Let me see your miracles. I surrender. You are good. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Can we applaud the Lord for his goodness? Bless your name, Lord.